I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Internet Marketing. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 161 of Internet Marketing, brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. And in today's show, Kelvin discusses the evolution of search with SEO Danny Sullivan of Search Engine Land. All coming up in Internet Marketing. Um, so, Danny, you've been covering the world of search engines for, for a number of years now. And, uh, you know, being a, an SEO um, myself, it, it seems like there's been a lot of news and a lot of change over the, the last year or so. It, you know, is there kind of more change than ever in the world of particularly Google, but the search engines as a whole? Or is that just kind of it feels like that? Um, it's hard to say if there's more changes, but um, it, it certainly does feel like it. it it's fair to say it definitely hasn't slowed down. Um, it has not gotten to the point where you can sit back and two months later or three months later say, ah, you know, everything I learned two or three months ago is completely applicable, yeah. um, especially as Google has rolled out its um, Google Plus uh, social networking system. Mm. It just keeps changing everything all over the place. Mm. And that kind of search plus your world where Google is starting to pull in more and more personalization and social data into the search results seems like it like a huge change for me. Do you kind of is there kind of any key I know it's very early days in terms of kind of lessons for that, but do you think there's any kind of key lessons that marketers ought to be thinking about as a consequence of that rollout? Well, I think that if um you're a search marketer and you hadn't been contemplating uh social and a social strategy, you you absolutely have to do it now. You should have been doing it years ago mm-hmm. already, um, but it, it really is in your face completely. Um, th- there have been some traditional search marketers, I think, who have looked at the social marketing that's going on and thinking, well, that's not search. I don't have anything to do with it, or I don't even know if that step is going to last. And what mm-hmm. we have seen over the past few years is that the search engines have looked to the social networks to see if they can incorporate those kinds of signals. And now Google having its own direct social network is very much making use of that data. Uh, in significant ways. So you simply can't ignore uh, social media marketing. Mm. That goes directly into search. It's, it's one of those things you really do need to know and be doing. 
Mm. And do you, do you think though that the kind of I mean a lot of a lot of the kind of negative feedback that people have been against Google Plus have been well it's it's a relatively small group of people in the scheme of things compared to some of the other social networks. Do you think that's really the case? Because I think already it's more you know um, representative as web users than perhaps kind of the link graph ever was in terms of the number of people who had the potential to link already that it would appear that it's more reflective of like in inverted commas normal web users. Yeah, I mean I have been saying that. Um you know uh, that 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 social is the new link building and mm-hmm. and i meant that in two different ways that for one it is a uh, way to literally get new links pointing at you mm-hmm. and in a very easy manner if you think about link building it is a pain you have to you know contact someone if they haven't found you already you have to get mm-hmm. them to go through <clears throat> excuse me and edit a web page and add a link over to you uh, they have to decide that that actually makes sense to do this is all hard and then there are plenty of people who could be giving you recommendations or votes as links are who don't mm-hmm. run websites so how are they supposed to link to you or if they do have mm-hmm. websites they're you know, there there may be blogs where they don't even have the ability to do links in a way that gives you credit without no follow. In contrast, social media link building and social media recommendations are incredibly easy. You know, you're you're out there, you get build out a follower base, all those people following you are effectively people linking back to you and saying that this is something that's important. Mm. So you know, it, it is a much more equal way or a much better way of uh, voting. If you if you think about it in terms of voting, it's almost like, um, you know, when we went through changes where suddenly um, women were given the franchise and previously mm-hmm. it was only men. Well, when you start counting links, it's been that kind of way. Only mm-hmm. people with web pages are allowed to vote. <laughs> when you go to social media – Everybody gets to vote if they want to for pages and content across the web. Now, Mm -hmm. what we're really happy to go through is what's the best way for the search engine to count those votes? Can they see all the votes? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but that stuff will get sorted out. Mm. And one thing I think I, you know, particularly I've picked up on over the last maybe week or so that kind of has really, you know, struck home to me about Google Plus is the particularly with the way they're kind of implementing rel author is that actually i'm kind of almost starting to see that by encourage well forcing people if they want those you know author snippets to appear to kind of be setting up a google plus profile that actually maybe part of this is that you know is part of it that they want it to be the social network of the content producers as much as the voters if you see what i mean because from google's perspective if they're kind of working on an author rank as well to some extent if you see what i mean that there's you know it does seem to be that there's lots of interconnecting themes here within the way that we imagine search is gonna head that google plus seems to be at the center of it is and and google has been wanting to um promote authorship quite a bit Mm-hmm. That was one of the things that we saw them trying to do when they rolled out their um, null system. They were really big on, we want people to have mm-hmm. an identity. We want people to be known. We think that that's important. And in fact, I, I shifted this interview with Amit Singhal about um, who oversees all of Google search um, mm-hmm. You know algorithms about you know how their search plus world was going. And he spoke repeatedly about identity. And I think that what is happening is at one point Google thought, well, maybe we can build authorship based on what we can find out about people across the web and what they link to their Google profiles. And now I think we're seeing a transition where authorship really means what do they know about you on your Google Plus account? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it comes back again to the idea that you really do need to have Google Plus as part of your, you know, search efforts because that's what they're looking to as the first step of mm-hmm. figuring out this authorship. 
Mm. And I mean, you co- you cover all sorts of areas of the the world of search news, Danny. Do you think there's any particular news stories? Because you know, some really blow up, and kind of uh, you know, in terms of you kind of had that part to play in the naming of the the farmer update before it was named as, as Panda and that kind of thing. Do you think there's any particular news that's come out over the last twelve months or so that that perhaps didn't get the coverage that you know and follow up on other websites that you kind of anticipated that perhaps kind of got a little bit forgotten about or glossed over by the search community? Um, well, I was <laughs> surprised or, or saddened, I'm not certain the right mm-hmm. word for it, that um, the um, dropping of search terms that was being reported by Google mm-hmm. um, hasn't gotten any further attention. Mm-hmm. Um, beginning of the year, I, I, I released a uh, story, you know, sort of called about how the, um, um, you know, the, I called 2011 the year that the search engines took away from, from search marketers and publishers. And I was focusing on the fact that we lost uh, both link data through Yahoo mm-hmm. Explorer, yeah. Site Explorer that was being provided, and the fact that Google pulled out its, um, um, you know, search terms for people in organic listings. Mm-hmm. And they, they did that under the guise of saying it was for privacy, and it's really not. It doesn't hold up in that way. Mm-hmm. Um and really, the debate over whether Google has been favoring itself with Search Plus World has completely washed over any of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and yeah. So I feel like that's yeah, I feel like that's kind of been forgotten. Um, other things, you know, it's hard to say. Um, I think both things that probably need attention have gotten it. Um, you know, people can argue that there's smaller search engines that maybe ought to get more attention that people aren't looking mm-hmm. at, but. You know, I, I think that they probably are getting the attention that they that they, they should be getting, and they'd be getting more. Um, it's been interesting to watch the explosion of interest in Pinterest uh, mm. or Pin Interest. I never remember mm. how to pronounce it, but um, you know that 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 is. I was just reading an article today that somebody said it's a uh, one of those things that the normals have found before all the tech heads seem to have gotten to it, mm-hmm. and it does kind of feel that way. That it's one of those those things that sort of caught on. Mm. Um, but those are some of the things, I suppose. And and I mean, interestingly, do you think you know? Because there's, there's always the talk of who will top a, topple Google. What's the next Google? That you know, the next big search engine. Do you, you know what do you think that they really need? To, someone would need to do to kind of do about that. And do you think that perhaps looking, uh, you know, you know, is that are we even even able to envisage what it would be that would topple Google, or, or do you think it will catch us entirely by surprise? From a search perspective, um, particularly, yeah. You know, it, it it may be one of those catch-on-surprise type of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing that's most likely to topple Google is Google itself. Mm-hmm. And even even Larry Page has said this, you know, back, I think it was in September. Mm-hmm. And what's been interesting is, to some degree, you feel like you're watching them do exactly that. You, mm-hmm. you If you go back to when Google became popular, one of the only reasons they became popular is because the portals were were – giving up on search and not really focusing on it. Mm-hmm. And so Google came along with a better algorithm, but it wouldn't have succeeded if the other search engines had done the same sort of thing, but they didn't really think mm-hmm. it was a moneymaker. Mm-hmm. And now you're watching Google do so much on the social networking front that potentially any little mistake that you see with search, people will attribute that to, ah, uh, they don't you know, really care about search anymore. Mm-hmm. Or 
um, that as they expand in these other areas, if they get people who are upset, then there's a sense of, aha, Google you know, doesn't really um, – uh, you know, they're just too big. I want to use something else. And so mm-hmm. it's possible that they'll cause people to go over and check out something else and start using other things such as Bing. Um, you know, the difficulty is Microsoft is in some small company. So if you, right. if you left Google because you were looking for uh, somebody smaller, it's, it's not necessarily Microsoft mm-hmm. that you, you want to go yeah, to. You return to, yeah. um, but it is yeah. hard for you know to come back. Will will we suddenly get surprised by a smaller player coming in and grabbing a lot of search um, traffic away from them? I, I tend to think not because it's really hard to create a search engine. You look at something mm-hmm. like DuckDuckGo that gets a lot of mm-hmm. people who have attention, but DuckDuckGo depends on other search engines. It doesn't just mm-hmm. succeed on its own. And it may work for some kinds of queries, but it will fall apart on other kinds of things when you start mm-hmm. getting into vertical, vertical mm-hmm. searching. And, and if, you know, if it really became a threat, um, I think that you would see something like Google you know, try to cut off, if, if they could, to the degree that DuckDuckGo. Mm-hmm. I think it does take some of their data, um, if I recall. It might be that they've got the deal now with Blecko. But... Um, you know, I I don't think it's just suddenly something rolls out of the garage and here the new mm. greatest search engine has mm. just arrived. And do you think that that's kind of, it's the misnomer there as well? Because I kind of hit, you know, when you hear that, okay, well, the reason that this search engine is going to do better and take on Google is because it's better at dealing with privacy. And I, I often think that that's kind of, I can see how that plays well in the blogosphere and how that plays well in the, you know, the world of search marketers. But I can't, you know, I... I can't imagine that the reason, you know, normal people to kind of go back to the, um, you know, the Pinterest example there, the reason that they would switch from Google would be because of privacy. I think it would just be kind of this natural kind of here is a, a better solution to solving my problems, which I don't think being. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Kind of more private um, search engines really going to achieve that really or at least i don't feel that i i don't think privacy is going to sudden yeah i 
I, I don't think that's going to suddenly be a feature. That that's mm. a card that people have been playing for for years, mm. for years. I mean, people poking at Google over privacy isn't even new. Mm. And so, um, yeah, I don't think that just suddenly causes a big, huge upswing into people mm. saying, "Oh, I'm going to use Google." They're they're much more mm. private. Um, maybe the attention will get more and more focused, and it could cause people to to, to you know change in the way that they had in, in the past. But that mm. just really hasn't seemed to have been a big issue. Mm. And so one of the biggest, you know, biggest stories in the world of search over the last couple of years has been the Panda update. And, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I know that it's kind of there's all the, the the versions and the, you know, the various updates of the update that seem to be going out there. But I wanted to ask you, Danny, do you think that there's kind of almost a strategic reason that Google have moved to perhaps start to name some of their updates and consciously publicly name them in a way that perhaps they didn't do in the past? You know, with Vince, with the various versions of Panda and the like there, that it was perhaps, you know, whereas what you there was the talk of the Everflux in the past where there were all these constantly updating small changes and that the kind of perhaps that the reason that they've um, you know been a little bit more forward about naming these is actually to make it clearer to the general web populace that they are making changes and responding to feedback. So do you think that there's some kind of strategic element to that or is it just kind of that's the way that it's the cookies crumbled on that? I think it's more coincidence. They they yeah. didn't want to put a name out to this update the first time, which is why I ended up calling it uh, farmer, mm-hmm. and then they kind of let slip the internal name, which they told me is that I couldn't use. And then they mm-hmm. ended up saying when uh, Stephen Levy did an interview, well, actually, we yeah, we called it the Panda Update. Mm-hmm. I think because they were trying to explain a color story about how it got its name, which was off of one mm-hmm. of the engineers that was involved. Mm-hmm. And then of course it, it it took on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, occasionally they have named updates. Uh, Big mm-hmm. Daddy was one of those examples. Yeah. Um, I wish that they simply would do it. Um, mm-hmm. I think that in part they fear doing it because they don't want people then to be obsessing. You know, was this mm-hmm. the latest update here? Was this the latest update there? But they have a they have mixed feelings on these types of things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I suppose it's tricky, isn't it? That like as soon as they name it and give it give the thing a name, then that's where all the attention goes, isn't it? And they have to answer all the questions about that particular update when actually it's probably about the bigger picture that they're more interested in, isn't it? Is the kind of solving the problems and it, in, 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 internally it's just kind of a version of software, isn't it? Really. Yeah, and it has, you know, there's different things that happen too. You have people who think they got hit by Panda and they may have been hit by something else, you know, and then it's like, well, when you give one update a name, you haven't given everything else a name, then do mm. people get confused in that way? Mm. And Danny, so you, you, you're kind of very involved in the organization of the SMX conferences that, that take place all over the world. And I know that we've got listeners in kind of various areas of the, of the globe as well. Is there kind of big discernible patterns that you've been able to determine by being involved in those conferences between kind of, you know, Sydney, London, the various events you hold in the US? Is, you kind of, is, there, still, is there big discrepancies in how kind of what people are interested in at those different events and kind of their approaches and perhaps where they're at in terms of progression and in terms of search and social media? Well, most of the shows recently I've been have been just in the U.S. Um, yeah. I you know lived in the U.K. for twelve years and, until two thousand eight, and so um, when I moved back to the U.S., I was kind of like, okay, I'm done doing some international yeah. travel yeah. for a while. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going out. Of course, I'll be at London this year yep. for the first time in ages, and I'll mm-hmm. be out at our Canada show. And I was at mm-hmm. Australia last year, um, so I'm looking forward to kind of getting back into the swing of things and, and perhaps recovered. <laughs> um, but what I would say that I've tended to find in the past is the things that a lot of people would expect, which is that outside the U.S., sometimes the um, the market is still maturing in ways, um, and in part because you don't even have the features that get rolled out. I mean, Bing, I think, just yeah. recently gave Germany uh, a, a service that wasn't in beta, and this is like mm. three or four years now after we've had mm. Bing 
be launched, period. Mm-hmm. Um, so there can be some aspects of that. Um, one of the things I found on the SEO side, found on the SEO side, is that um, sometimes there's less concern about, you know, am I spamming or am I not spamming? Um, you know, for a long time in the UK, the idea of cloaking was just seen as something you do, not something you avoid. You know, yeah. it's just like a sort of a standard type of a thing. Um, you know, I think those days are sort of long gone. Um, the other thing you tend to find outside the U.S. is, I think, much more focus on um, how you're dealing with other countries. You know, yeah. your the domain issues, language issues, those sorts of things uh, have always seemed to come up a lot too. Mm. And as as a final question, Danny, I know that you've kind of lo- recently launched Marketing Land as kind of the you know the, the the spin-off, as it were, of Search Engine Land, the kind of you know the place where you're kind of mo- most involved in the publishing of your content. How, is that kind of conscious of the fact that actually the world of search is fitting more into marketing as as, as a as a you know a, you know more integral part of the picture? Uh, not really. It's not like we just woke up and said, "Wow, people should do more than yeah, search." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was much more to do with the fact that we've grown as a company to the degree mm. that we can cover much more than search. Yeah. We we always thought that you know search marketing is just part of overall online or mm. digital marketing. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to have the best site we possibly could have covering mm. the search aspects. Yeah. Um, that was our core and, and that's where we began with. Um, we had run for a couple years the, uh, the SPIN uh, yeah. networking site and that was designed to be a way for people to, through our publications, learn more about internet marketing. Its focus mm-hmm. was always on internet marketing in general and, and submissions yeah. from over the web. And you know, in the end, we found that model didn't work and we felt like we still wanted our company to be involved with providing information about internet marketing in general. And so that's what gave birth mm-hmm. to Marketing Land, the idea that, okay, let's just go ahead and pursue the editorial model that we know works so well with Search Engine Land and do the same thing to cover internet marketing in general. And so we hope mm-hmm. it, it does help serve uh, people who are both search marketers and internet marketers. Cool. Well, fantastic, Danny. I think there's some really, yeah, really interesting topics there and particularly kind of talking about the way that I think you've made the case really clear that like, you know, Google Plus isn't an option if you're a search engine marketer. It's the the default now, I think is a really key um, takeaway that I've taken from this and one that I've been trying to kind of, um, you know, live a little bit more personally and try and get a bit more involved on um, Google Plus and interestingly, seem to get a really good response there. Have you found that as well, Danny, kind of a difference in, you know, over the perhaps, you know, since Google Search Plus your world has rolled out, have you noticed that your kind of interactions on Google Plus getting uh, much more attention than perhaps they did do a couple of weeks before that? Um, I mean, I've been active on Google Plus since literally it began. And so it's it's hard for me to see differences. And, you know, I, I, there are more people on it. And therefore, you get both more content that starts showing up in your stream and perhaps more comments that are coming there. Um, so I would say that kind of change is happening where you're seeing more interesting things that are showing up. It's still got a ways to go where it has the activity levels that you see on a Facebook or on a Twitter. Yeah. Um you know, but you also find some original things out on Google Plus that you just wouldn't find that were on the other networks as well. You know, it it has, I think, found its place, and that place is still growing. Um, but there's definitely, you know, a there there, as people say. <laughs> No, I think that's it. I, I, I personally, it's that kind of. I know that I ought to make the effort now because actually, much in the same way with Twitter, that you know, I, I, I have you know, in the scheme of things, quite a lot of followers on Twitter, and a lot of that, I think, yeah, sometimes it's down to the content I'm producing, but I think in many cases, it's the down to I was there early in the scheme of things, if you see what I mean. And I think that, you know, in my particular case, I mean, it's the kind of sharing good content, but being there in the right place at the right time helps as well, doesn't it? It, it can be, it can be really interesting to do, and I'm at some point we'll do some cross 
cross-platform mm. study things, the, the kinds of things that take off and the kinds of things that seem to be successful. Mm. Um, you know, and it's, it's difficult for me because, you know, on Twitter, mm. I'll have like over 200,000 people. On, mm. on Google+, Plus, I have like 500,000. Mm. And then on, on Facebook, I have like 25,000. So, because I kind of was the opposite on Facebook. I really wasn't doing much over there and wasn't following over there. So, if I share something out on Facebook personally um, and it doesn't do as well on Google+, Plus, it could be because there's simply so many more people that follow me on Google+, Plus for whatever reason, mm. than do it on, on Facebook. Now, on mm. Search Engine Land... Um, we we look at the cross-platform type of stuff, and we can get a sense of what's happening there. Um, although it can be difficult even measuring in that regard, because if I promote yeah. something, then that has a different influence mm-hmm. in one place mm-hmm. than on the other. But um, what I can say is that they're all valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we we they're all worth the time. And mm-hmm. and one of the things that has surprised me is people who have said, "Oh, I I can't even make the time for Google Plus." It's like mm-hmm. make that time. Mm. You know, make that time. It's not a question mm. of you don't have the resources. You you don't know if you can do it. Mm. Open up the account for your business mm. and simply post the things, the same things that you're posting over mm. Facebook. That's mm. not going to hurt you. And at the mm. very least, it's starting to build up your followers at a time mm. when there's still relatively few people who are out there. Mm. Uh, because I think it can be much harder for people to climb that hill down the line when mm. you know it does start to take off mm. even more. Yeah, and I mean, I've certainly got the sense that content, that, you know. In, in simple terms, I did a real relatively small study looking at kind of like about 200 articles across various tech websites and trying to compare the votes on the, this was kind of before Google, you know, relatively early in Google um, Plus launching, but kind of there did seem to be kind of a pretty strong correlation. It's the content that does well on Twitter tends to do well on Google Plus and, you know, even amongst them all, which I kind of expected there to be a little bit less correlation because I think, oh, well, certain content's going to do better on LinkedIn because it's got more of a B2B vibe. But it's certainly seen from the kind of little amount of research I've done into it, it does seem to be that, you know, good content is good content and it'll get shared wherever it is it gets shared. So you ought to be kind of, you know, bearing that in mind. Right. Fantastic. Well, really appreciate that, Danny. Thanks so much for your time there. Um, um, I think it's yeah, well worth checking out the conferences at um, you know, SMX in London. I know I've attended and spoke a few over the last couple of years, and it's always been, from my perspective, one of the most involved and advanced search conferences in the UK, and one that I know that the search community in the UK certainly take very seriously and love to attend. Fantastic, Danny. No, really appreciate that. That's a really good, uh, really good session. Some, some interesting bits there. So I look forward to seeing you in London in a couple of months' time. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on the internet at www.internetmarketingpodcast.org where you'll find show notes, links, and instructions on how to subscribe. We would absolutely love to get feedback, comments, and questions from you. If you want to send an email, send it to kelvin.newman at sitevisibility.com. Also, feel free to comment on the website. And if you'd like to use our voice line number... If you're outside of the UK, it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five oh. If you're inside the UK, it's O one two seven three two five six one five oh. And you can leave a voice comment or question and we'll play it on the show. Also, we would absolutely be delighted if you would give us a, a rating on iTunes itself. Well that's it for now. Andy White is signing off until next week on Internet Marketing. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.